Good morning. Some mornings I just want to stand here and just see what you will do if I don't say anything. I don't know. I'm not sure I trust you. All right, so uh, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 1. Today's a surprise. And if you guys still need discussion sheets, they're up here in the front. Every table should have at least one discussion sheet. And we're in, uh, back in chapter 1. I'll tell you real quick, um, this, this series, if you're looking at Proverbs, chapters 1 through 9 are fairly cohesive. What I mean by that is you can take one chapter and say this chapter's on sexuality or this chapter's on uh, laziness. Then you get past chapter 10. And something weird happens. Solomon just starts, like, firing all these bullets at you, like, one after another. And they seem to make no sense and have no cohesion whatsoever. And so to try to teach, like, from this point forward, just through each chapter would be, like, a nightmare. I mean, it would be, like, ten topics every Sunday morning. And so uh, we're going to take a little bit of a a shifting of the gears here, and we're going to take things as more of a topical approach and pull from several sections of Proverbs from this point forward. So... That is why we are going back to chapter 1 today, and, uh, and so um, most of what I'm saying this morning was inspired by a talk that I heard recently by a guy named Tim Keller, so um, if, you, if you like what we talk about this morning, then you can't give me any credit, but then if you don't like what we're talking about today, then you also can't blame me either, so it's, it's, a, it's a win-win. So, um, so look at, uh, at chapter 1, verse 7, it's our ever-present popular verse. And here's what it says. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So here's what we're discussing today. Today we're discussing the second half of this verse. We spend a lot of time talking about what wisdom is. Well, today we're talking about the second half of this verse. We're talking about the fool today. And some of them are like, well, okay, we're not talking about me then. Well, we might be. So just pay attention. So um, here's what the Bible says about someone who hates instruction or despises wisdom. If you're someone who you, you just butt up against authority at every turn of your life, if you can't stand people telling you what to do or how to do it, or you have no respect for authority in your life, whether it's coaches, parents, teachers, pastors, and so on, if that is you, if you just constantly butt heads with everyone that you come in contact with. It's an authority over you. The Bible has some really harsh words for you. The Bible calls you a fool. That's not my word. I am not. God is calling you that. All right? Not me. God, that's the word that God uses for someone like that. So don't argue, argue with him if you're going to argue about that, right? And so here's, here's what we see in life, though. Some people can be brilliant, at certain aspects of life. They can be brilliant at sports. They can be brilliant at music. They can be brilliant at business, brilliant with money, but be a complete fool spiritually. I think of Tiger Woods, right? Brilliant golfer, brilliant marketer, horrible father, horrible husband. I think of Amy Winehouse, who recently passed away from drugs. Brilliant, super talented musician, singer, but now she's dead because of drugs. The more recent example, of course, is Whitney Houston. 
super talented, great voice, amazing talent, but a complete fool when it comes to spirituality, living for Christ, those kinds of things. Here's the deal, guys. Listen. There are certain rules to how the world works, right? There are certain rules to the way life goes and the way life operates. And if you don't follow those rules, it will lead to death. There's no way around that. And so if you're someone who you pump poison into your body to get high, that is going to lead to addiction. That is going to lead to poverty. That is going to lead eventually to death. And so the fool is someone who doesn't think the rules apply to them. The fool is someone who thinks that, okay, here's the rules. That's what you say the rules are, but the rules don't apply to me. I'm going to find a way around the rules. This is the definition of someone who I would call a fool. The Bible would call that person a fool. When I was uh, at a different church before I came to TBC, there was a kid in my youth group named Richard. And we're driving somewhere one day, and he says to me, he goes, I have a question I want to ask you about. I said, okay, what's your question? And he said, well, if, if God didn't mean for us to use drugs, then why did he give them to us? And I'm taking it back going, wow, okay, never heard that question put quite like that before. And so my response was something like this. I said, look, okay, if you're wrestling with whether or not you should use drugs or not, let's just say, first of all, don't. That's step number one. And, but my, the answer to your question, though, is, is, is really simple. God, okay, God gave us everything but it doesn't mean for you to use everything and pump it into your veins or inhale it into your lungs, right? I'll give you an example. None of you would think it would be a smart idea to melt this table down and shoot it into your veins, right? That would not go well for anyone, right? That would lead to death. So, so it's real simple. There's a use for this table, but it's not going into your body, right? In the same way, there are some uses for what we would classify as drugs, but guess what? There's a, a how. There's a way it's used where that God has given us those things to use in certain ways. But going into your veins is not one of them. Going into your lungs is not one of them. And so the, the person who's the fool thinks that the rules of life don't apply to them. They think they can do drugs, have sex outside of marriage, all of those things together, and it's not going to affect them in a negative way. This is who the Bible would call a fool. Look at, at, at chapter uh, 1, verse 22. Here's what it says. It says, How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing, and fools hate knowledge? So there are three kinds of fools we're going to look at today. The first one is this person called the simple. The second one is called the fool. And the third kind is, is the scoffer. We're going to take one each, each one here, one at a time. So when most people hear the word fool, their first thought is, that's not talking about me. I'm not like that. But when you look at this verse in, in, in chapter 1, verse 22, we have to admit, there are three different types of fools, and every single one of them is very different from the other ones. They're all still fools, but they're all three also very different. The first one I'll talk about is the simple person, the simple one. Now, you might think, okay, this is a person who is like a hillbilly redneck, wears a NASCAR jacket, has three teeth. That might be your mental image there. But this is not who, who Solomon's talking about here. He's actually talking about someone who's gullible, naive. This person will fall for anything and everything. 
This is the girl who thinks every guy is a good guy. This is the girl who thinks that, oh, he, he gave me flowers and chocolate for Valentine's Day. He must be godly. No, no, right? This is the girl who thinks the, the best of everyone, right? Everyone's a good person. Everyone's, no one's dangerous. No one has uh, their own motives um, in mind when they do certain things. But this is not just the girl. This is also the guy. This is the guy who has no confidence in who he is in Christ. This is the guy who will fall for anything and everything to be accepted. This is the guy who will do anything. He will say anything. He will do anything to be brought into the crowd he wants to be a part of. This is the person who's gullible, who's naive, who thinks that the best of every person. In verse 22, he says, he says, they love being simple. They love being simple because this person hates complexity. In fact, if you try to confront them on their simple view of life, they will say, no, no, don't, don't make things so complicated. Don't, don't tell me things that are truthful because that makes life complex. That makes life complicated. I don't like complexity. Just keep that away from me. I, I love simplicity. I love having fun. I love parties. I love just going to with my friends and having a good time. I hate having to think about life and think deeply about stuff. Don't, don't make me do that. This is the simple person. The second person we, we think about, actually go to uh, verse, um, uh, chapter 14, verse 15. Flip all the way over to chapter 14, verse 15. I'm going to give your fingers a workout today. Chapter 14, verse 15. He describes in further detail who this simple person is. He says, the simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. So this person thinks the best of every person. They believe everything is a good idea. No matter what you bring to them and you say, hey, let's, let's, have Friday, let's, let's get together on Friday and let's do this, this, and this. Whether it's illegal or not, they're like, yeah, that sounds great. That sounds like a great idea. This is the simple person. The next person he talks about is the fool. Now this person is, they are opinionated. They are stubborn. This person is born like with an opinion about everything. They already know everything. They come out of the womb with like a PhD in life, right? No one can say anything to them to correct them under any circumstance. They argue as soon as they learn to talk. This is the fool. This is a generic kind of fool we're talking about here. You know, this is the kind of person who thinks they're really, really, really mature at a very early age, and they will make sure everyone knows how mature they are, right? And so they'll often say things like, you know, I'm just so mature for my age, and I'm above what those people do. And what they don't realize is that when they say those words, they are showing how immature they really are, right? And so I see this a lot, I think, in high school ministry, especially where this is the person who thinks they know everything, which just shows they really know nothing, and the person who thinks they're really, really mature, who's really, really, really immature. I've noticed this pattern as a high school pastor. The person who says things like, man, I've got a lot to learn, I'm, I'm pretty immature, um, I need to, to grow, can, can you help me grow? That's the person that I go, that's maturity, like, you're, you're really mature for your age to say that. 
to say you don't know things is a really mature thing to say. But for the person who says, I'm mature, I've got it all figured out, no one can really handle me, that's the person who is showing by their arrogance, they're showing their immaturity. This is the fool. Now, look at uh, chapter 22, verse 15. Flip over to chapter 22, verse 15. And this person also wears this as a badge of honor. This is the person who, they're so full of themselves, they almost wear it as like, well, that's just who I am. I'm just an opinionated person. I'm just a stubborn person. Um, That's just how I was born. Just deal with it, right? This is the fool. In uh, verse 15 of chapter 22, he says, Folly is bound up in the heart of the child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Now, that can be a controversial verse, can it? Now, he's not saying to go beat your kid, okay? But he is saying that spanking is biblical. I will say that. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. Um, I believe that the Bible does talk about spanking in this verse. And, and listen, I'm not saying that, like, when you're 15, you should still be getting, you know, the rod of discipline. I'm just saying that when, when a kid is a small child... There's a way to discipline, listen, there's a way to discipline a child that's a loving, loving thing to do, okay? And I don't take that lightly. I know it can be abused and and horribly abused, but I do think that it is a biblical, biblical mandate. And here's what the verse is saying. It's saying that everybody is born a fool. Everyone's born a fool. You, You come out of the womb being this way. I don't have to teach my son how to be a fool. He knows it well. He knows it very well. So, so my job as his parent is to, to shepherd him, and when I need to, to discipline him in, in loving, godly ways. Here's the crazy thing. The times that I, um, I do discipline my son and I do have to spank him for discipline, when that happens, the amazing thing is, here's what he does. As soon as that part's over, he reaches for me because he wants, he wants comfort from the same person who gave him the discipline. And I want you to see something. This is exactly who God needs to be for you. If you're a Christian here in the room today, this is who God needs to be for you, the, the same God who gives you reproof and rebuke and discipline needs to be the same God that you come to for comfort in the midst of that discipline. It's the same God. You, you don't run from him when he corrects you. You run to him. You run to him. And so everyone is, is born a fool. This is the kind of person who has no spiritual sensitivity. And, and God uses people in this person's life to try to show them what it means to follow Christ and to fear God. The third kind of person is called the scoffer. Now, the scoffer is really interesting because this is the hardest person to reach out of the list I just gave you. This person is not only are they a fool, but they also recruit others into the university of foolishness. This is the person who has like a PhD in being a fool. They lead other people down that path. And so their their whole deal is this, this, this person is typically clever, smart, intelligent. Uh, They have the appearance of having it all together. 
But when it comes down to it, spiritually speaking, they laugh at God. They laugh at sin. They mock God. They mock judgment. All the things that should strike fear in their heart towards God cause them to mock God, cause them to make fun of anything related to God. This person is often cruel and vengeful and ruthless and just plain mean. There was a kid like this in my uh, class when I was probably junior high, I think it was. His name was Daniel Stevens. I will never forget Daniel Stevens. One of the meanest kids you will ever meet. This kid, we're in class one day, and there's a girl in our class, uh, and she's leaning back in her chair during class, and she falls. And everyone, half the class kind of laughed, half the class tried to help her. But once all the commotion had kind of cleared, he blurts out, he says, hey, the chair has four legs, just like you. And it was like deathly quiet like it is right now. This is how mean and cruel this guy was. He would take every chance he could, he could muster to make fun of someone, to be cruel, to be ruthless. And he did, this, he, treated the same, he did the same thing to truth. This is how he treated and, and mocked God as well. Look at chapter 22, or I'm sorry, chapter 21, verse 24. Turn back just one chapter, chapter 21, verse 24. It says, scoffer is the name of the arrogant haughty man who acts with arrogant pride. So this person is not like the simple or the naive. This person is actually the leader of those kinds of people. This person takes charge. This person has smarts. They're clever. And, uh, and they use it to their advantage. Look back. One more chapter. Chapter 19, verse 25. 19, verse 25. I love this verse. It says, strike a scoffer, and the simple will learn prudence. Do you realize what he just said? You could punch a scoffer right in the face, and somebody else will learn from it, but not them. Do you get that? You strike a scoffer, and the simple, the naive person, might learn something when you punch the scoffer in the face. Isn't that amazing? You could punch the guy in the face, and he's not going to learn a thing, but the guy next to him will, right? So with that in mind, go ahead and discuss your first three questions at your tables. Go ahead and discuss. You to put yourself in one of three categories. And now I know that if you're a follower of Christ, this doesn't really apply to you because you've, you have graduated from full university, and now you're a Christian following Jesus. But... Everyone's personality still leans, I think, at least on this side of heaven, towards one of the three. So, I want to see a show of hands um, and be humble enough to admit this about yourself. So, who would say you are like, most like, your personality fits in line with most like the, the simple person. You like to have fun and just make things simple. Wow. Everyone puts them in... We, we may as well not even ask for another question because everyone raised their hand for that one. Okay, who would say you're just the generic fool? You're stubborn, you're opinionated. I see some of the same hands going up. All right, how about the scoffer? You're the scoffer. You're mean, mean and cruel. Stay away. Hey, wait, stand up. If you're raising your hand, stand up right now. Raise your hand, stand up. All right, stay away from these people that you see standing right now. 
Don't be their friend. They will be mean to you. They will be mean and cruel to you. All right, look with me. Look with me at chapter 1, verse 32 and 33. Turn to chapter 1, verse 32 to 33. And here's what Solomon says. Listen. He says, for the simple are killed by their turning away. So everyone who just raised their hand for simple, death is at your doorstep. The simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me, listen up, but whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. So what I want you to get from this, these, these next two passages, this is what will happen if you remain a fool. If you choose not to put your life in Christ's hands and choose to remain a fool, this is what will happen to you. Look also with me in chapter 16, verse 25. You can turn there if you're real quick with your fingers. Chapter 16, verse 25. And he says this, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. So what we see in these last two verses is he's serious. Remaining a fool is a serious, serious thing. For you to turn your back on God and not submit your life to God, it ultimately leads to death. Not just physical death, but spiritual, eternal separation from God. Spiritual death. And in verse 25 of chapter 16, he says, There is a way that seems right to a man. There's a way that seems right. There's a way that seems like it makes sense. Even the Bible is admitting that there is a way of going about life that appears on the surface to make complete sense. It's, I should date that guy, or I should date that girl. Or I should be with those friends. Or I should go to this party. Or I should be a part of this group. Yeah, on the surface, it looks like it makes sense. The Bible is even saying that, admitting that, that yes, on the surface, it looks like, yeah, why would you not do that? Of course you would do that. And, and what I see so much of the time in high school ministry is that you guys let your emotions totally rule you. You let your emotions sit on the throne of your life. And so what you do is you make decisions that are completely based on this idea right here. Whatever seems right, whatever seems good, whatever your emotions are, are leaning towards, that is the way that you go. And you base everything on your feelings. And here's what you do. You let your emotions trump the word of God. You let how you feel about things trump Scripture. And here's what I want to challenge you with today. Try something different. Instead of letting your emotions trump Scripture, why don't you start letting Scripture trump your emotions? When, when you are having doubts and you're having those emotional storms in your life and you're starting to go down that road that we're talking about, you go to this book, you open it up, you let God speak to you. And you let this shape your emotions, not let your emotions shape your view of God's Word. 
You have got to turn this thing around and stop letting emotions rule over you in the path that you take in your life. Because your emotions will be the biggest liar to you. More than anybody else in your, in your world, more than anyone in your family, more than any one of your friends, your emotions will lie to you more than anything else in your life. And so the question I want to ask you this morning is, which kind of fool are you? Are you like the simple fool? Are you like the fool, the generic fool? Are you like the scoffer? Which one of these three do you tend to lean towards? But there's one more way to be a fool that I haven't talked to you about yet. And this one might surprise you. So turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And if you've not ever read 1 Corinthians, uh, it is an amazing book. Please, I would, I'd recommend reading it all the way through at some point on your own. But 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Here's what it says. This is Paul writing to the Corinthians. He says, Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. So what is he talking about? Why is he saying for us to become a fool? According to the world, following Christ is about the dumbest thing you could do. It looks like complete and utter foolishness. In fact, many people would call you a fool for for following Christ. And so look at everything about Jesus, his, his birth, born into a manger. Shepherds came to see him. Look at his life, lived as a carpenter. Look at his death. His death seemed to make no sense. Dying on a cross like a a common criminal, the savior of the world. What? Who is this guy? Look at the resurrection. Do you think people have difficulty believing in a resurrection? Yes, they do. It looks like complete and total foolishness to the world. And for some of you in the room right now, this is exactly what's holding you back because you don't want to be seen as a fool to the world, so you have not bought in and submitted yourself to Jesus Christ yet. Because you look at the world and say, they think this is foolish, and I'm not sure I want them calling me a fool. And so Paul is challenging these people. He's saying, look, come down off of your high horse, and if you think you're wise, you think you're smart in your own eyes, Let him become a fool so you can truly become wise. And so follow this with me. The only way to not be a fool is to become a fool. The only way to not be a fool is to become a fool. The only way to not be a fool is to become a fool for Jesus Christ. This is what Paul is saying to us. And some of you say, well, I don't want to follow Christ because I'll look like a fool. Well, guess what? The Bible agrees with you. You will look like a fool in the world's eyes. A complete fool. But the question is, everyone is a fool of some kind. The question is, which kind of fool will you be? The question is, do you want God to see you as a fool or the world to see you as a fool? Which one would you prefer? And I'll close with this quote by Tim Keller. Go to the last slide. 
When you surrender to Jesus, the things you once thought of as wise will look foolish. And the things you once thought of as foolish will look wise. Go ahead and close in your discussion at your tables. Go ahead and discuss.